One of my heroes in the faith is Martin Luther. Naturally, as a German, he's one of the people I like to think about sometimes. I just uh, am impressed by his courage, by his boldness, by the strength that it took to translate the Bible into German while creating the German language, um, or big parts of it at least. And one of the legacies that he left behind is a song called A Mighty Fortress is Our God, or in German, Eine feste Burg ist unser Gott. And it's based on Psalm 46. It was written towards the end of the 1520s, so that was after the Reformation, and both the lyrics and the music were composed by Luther. Luther was inspired by this psalm, which talks about strength and reliability of God in times of trouble. And it was first sung as a song of encouragement for the early Protestant movement after the Reformation. And around the 100th anniversary of the Reformation, it became even an anthem for the general Reformation movement in the German-speaking regions. And tonight we're going to look at the same psalm, Psalm 46, and learn some things about fear. Let's pray. God, thank you um, for everyone that's here tonight and who's also uh, watching online. Thank you for your word. Thank you for eternal truths that we can think about, that we can rely on. Thank you that we can know you and that you are a God that's real, that is interested in what we're doing. And I pray that you would uh, speak to us tonight. Please use my words and uh, work in me through the power of your Holy Spirit to say the things that you would want me to say. God, thank you that um, you brought each and every one here safely tonight. And I pray that you would protect those out on the road where there's maybe ice. In Jesus' name, amen. The big picture for tonight's sermon is the idea that unhealthy fear paralyzes, but the fear of God liberates. The psalmist will teach us about different characteristics of God that are relevant in times of trouble and fear. First, we're going to look at a good foundation for life. Second, we will see what we can build on that foundation. And third and last, we will look on how that applies to our worldview. Let's read Psalm 46 together. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, voice the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. 
I recently learned in one of my classes at Criswell that the first symbol that was used by Christians in the time of persecution under the Roman Empire in the first century is not the cross, what we would usually think. I thought I was smart and I told my professor, well, then it must be the fish, but that's not it either. The first symbol that the Christians that were persecuted and they were hiding in the catacombs next to rotting dead bodies and they could smell the fragrance of death beside them and they knew that the reality of their faith was a possibility that they might die someday for their faith. And the symbol that they would use and they would scratch them in the walls and those catacombs or the places where they had to hide and meet was the anchor. They saw God as their anchor because they knew he was the only one they could truly rely on. They were hopeful in the promises that he had for them. And they knew that even if they died, that didn't change their eternal destiny. And therefore, Psalm 46 says in the first verse that God is our refuge and our strength. He's our refuge because he's a secure place that we can go to when we're in trouble. He is reliable because he never changes. He's our strength because he is all-powerful and can help us in situations that are beyond our control. I think I've experienced that in my life, and I think that's probably also true for you. The kind of situations that teach us that we're not in control, which we truly never are, are the ones that make us grow the most. Where we're put under the fire of God, and he wants to form us and shape us and make us more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Tough situations have a lot of growth potential if we allow God to work in our lives that way. And we can always turn to him and ask him for strength. Because we're weak as humans. I am weak. I need prayer and I need God's help to work in me to make it in this life. God is present. We can reach out to him in prayer. He always has an open ear for us and there's nothing too small for him that it would not matter to him. He's willing to help even though sometimes it may not look exactly in the same way that we would expect it to be. He works in different ways than we sometimes assume he does. A correct view of God in our lives based on scripture helps us to shape the reality of who he really is and what that means for our lives. We can build a strong foundation on the reliable anchor that God is. And we can hold on to him when nothing else seems certain. Because God is the source of certainty in times of uncertainty. And the consequence that the psalmist draws from that is in verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. A deep understanding of God's supremacy and the control over everything, even our lives, will lead me to a personal expectation for God to act in my life and in the lives of people around us, because he's the one that can give me confidence in the one that never changes. 
James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation of shadow due to change. So the same God that made the universe, who formed you and me in the womb, who raised Jesus from the dead, and who gave you the gift of the Holy Spirit if you believe in him and you're a son and daughter of his. He's the one that's seeking a relationship to you. He wants you to have a strong foundation in him and not in other things. If we know God for who he is and believe that he is the one who is in control, we don't need to fear even when the world is falling apart just like verses 2 and 3 are describing. And I think due to circumstances of last year and even continuing into this year, I was just beginning to ask myself some fundamental questions that are pretty hard to think about, and they challenged me because they were exposing things in my heart, and I also saw some things going on in other people around me. Is it possible that our trust in the medical system makes us forget who truly holds our lives in his hands. And I don't want you to hear, never go to your doctor, all that is not helpful. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, are we truly living our lives believing that God is the one that's keeping me alive? Or have I sometimes lied to myself in thinking, oh, I'm going to use these things and that's how I control my life and I'm truly in control, not God. Have we lost a perspective on what is truly meaningful in life? Is it possible that God is much more concerned about using us as tools for his glory and for saving souls than he's concerned about keeping us perfectly healthy all the time? And we've ha- you have one of those examples in our midst even in the past few weeks. And I asked Bob for permission, and he allowed me to share this example of his because he had a back surgery recently. And I think we would look naturally for someone who has back pain and think, oh, that's a pretty bad situation that he had to go get back surgery to feel better. But what if one of those people that Bob witnessed to at the hospital gives their lives to Christ? and we will be with them in eternity. Wouldn't you say that it would have been much better for Bob to get that back surgery so he can witness to that person and be part of God determining the eternal destiny for them? Because God does not think in terms of the lives that we are in right now, life on this earth. He thinks in eternal terms. Another question that I ask myself is, is it possible to elevate the fear of anything, even of a disease, to such a level that it becomes an idol and controls my life, more than my knowledge of Scripture and my relationship with God? I think sometimes we can put things out of perspective when we don't have a correct view of who God is, how powerful He is, that He made me and you and everything around us, and that he controls our eternal destiny, and that he's always on our side. And if there's 
not much you remember from what I say tonight, there's one thing I do want you to remember. Unhealthy fear paralyzes, but the fear of God frees to serve Him. If we are afraid of things that we don't need to be afraid of from an internal perspective, then it limits what we can do and what we're willing to do. But if we fear God most of all, then that liberates us to, to serve Him. And based on that foundation, a strong relationship to God, a correct view of who He is and how He controls things and how everything is in His hand, leads to a beautiful picture that we find in verses 4 and 5. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. I want you to think of the most beautiful place you've ever been to, and maybe one of those moments that were really meaningful to you, to put this passage in perspective. Something that often comes to mind when I try to think of something like that is my time in, in Kenya. When I was in Kenya for a year, I was always amazed and it never lost any of its beauty for me when I would just go out at night and out by the white sand beach and the palm trees and the stars would be so clear like I had never seen them before because there's not much artificial light around there. And maybe there'll be a warm wind going and those were some really beautiful moments in which I could pray to God and feel just really close to Him. So that's something I think of. In verses 4 and 5 we see the result of a foundation in God. A holy city in which God reigns and secures. Not only is this a promise for us as believers in the future, where we'll be with God in the eternal dwelling of the new Jerusalem, but this can also be true for us right now. When we are so secure and our trust in God is so strong that there is nothing around us that can truly shake us. Because we know whom we serve and we know whose children we are. Verse 6 says that the nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. Such a foundation in God and confidence in him over anything else, whether it's myself or dependency on circumstances or dependency on others. If I truly have my confidence in God over anything else, that leads to a beautiful peace. Because outside of the city, the nation ra nations rage. And what does, does God do? He speaks with his voice and the earth melts. Just imagine the power in comparison of even the most powerful weapons that we have in our day and age. God just needs to utter something with his words and Everything is futile that humans can do. God is not impressed with what we can do as humans, but he still wants to use us as believers to build his kingdom, to save souls, and to glorify him. I think it's very detrimental if we have a weak view of God, the God that we serve. 
Verse 7 says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Trust in the presence of God and his control of my life can help me when life gets tough. Within all this, these thoughts that were particularly coming up last year and I was just struggling and going through some of those things and um, praying to God for wisdom and asking him about some of the things that he wanted to change in my heart and my life. Something that came to my mind and I've shared maybe with some of you already is just that thought, if God wants the heart that's beating in my chest right now to stop beating in one minute, it will. It, won't, it will no longer pump blood through my system and I will die. And if it doesn't, then he still has a reason for me to live and he wants to use me. And that's true for you also. He wants to use your gifts that he's given you. He wants to lead others to Christ through you. Encourage your fellow believers and shine in this dark world. And this foundation leads to the third point. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. As humans, me included, we forget very easily. And therefore, I think we can see, particularly in the Old Testament, but also in some practices in the New Testament, that was important to God over and over to remind them of what he had done for them. We can see that in the Passover meal, he wanted them to, the Israelites to remember how he had brought them out, out of Egypt, what miracles he had done for them, and how he does not have to play by the natural rules, so to speak. Or even for us, Holy Communion, it reminds us of how Christ died on the cross for our sins, on how he shed his blood, and how he rose from the dead, so that one day we might follow him and rise from the dead also. And he was constantly also reminding the Israelites over victories, of victories over other nations, just like he does in the psalm. It's good for us to remind ourselves what God has done and share it with us in his word, and what he has done specifically in our lives. One of the things that... that I learned about recently also is that's been really helpful to me and you can do that once a week or every day whatever is your preference just take a little journal book and write down what was good today how did God allow certain things in my life to happen see things see God behind good things that happened in my life and just remember so that I can have a yeah, wonderful book by the end of the year where I can pick out at least one thing every week where God has acted in my life and it was evident. And if you're someone, I've been there before also in, in different seasons, who doesn't feel like God is doing very much in your life and doesn't seem very real to you, I can uh, highly recommend this little book here. It's a study called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And it, what I like about it is it's not one of those ABC method books, here's how you do it, and then move on, and now you have a good relationship to God. It takes it very 
personal. There are some tough questions that are being asked that make you think about yourself and what you're doing in your relationship to God. It gives advice on, yes, things you can do, but really what it helps you with is building a relationship to God that's for you and not how somebody else... You know, there are some things that are true for everyone. Reading our Bibles, praying, scripture memory. Some of the spiritual disciplines that we were thinking about in January. But the nuances of our relationship to God are different for everyone because we're all different. So for me, it might work great when I take a walk outside and pray and that's my best prayer time. And that's, that might not be what works for somebody else. And I think this study does a, is a good tool to figure out some of those things for yourself and leads you into, into truth. And I've been really enjoying it. Verse 9, the psalmist says, He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. One of the things that we can see as truth over and over again in the Bible is that God intervenes in history. Whether that's in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, and even in our lifetime also. I think oftentimes we don't think along those parameters that God does still act, particularly when things look very dark. God's focus is not always like I was saying earlier, on what's best for us temporarily. But his focus is on eternity. So sometimes it may be better for me to suffer now. Lead others to Christ. And be an encouragement to others in the midst of suffering. Because eternity is a lot longer than what we're doing down here. It is longer than the life that we spend on earth. Because one day this earth is going to burn and we won't be here any longer. We'll be with God in eternity on the new earth. One thing that we can always trust in is that he is a good and loving father and he's not going to burden us with more than we can bear. And he's willing to provide the strength that we need in times of fear and trouble to do what's necessary that honors him most. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Again, a strong foundation in God enables us to trust in his promises and believe in his word and act on it. God wants to give us the confidence that we can that he will be ultimately victorious over evil, sickness, and suffering. Romans 8, 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Something that I am constantly challenging myself in recent times is, I don't want to allow fear to reign in my life. I want God to reign in my life. And that can lead to an inner peace that surpasses understanding. 
And if I view the world, everything in it, and my life included, in the knowledge that God reigns, and that he wants me to be involved in that, I will not make the same fear-based decisions that other people might make. And if God leads me to do something, and it's the right thing for me to do, even if it's hard, he's going to give me the strength to do it. Just like he helped those Christians in the Roman catacombs to persevere and not give up their faith. He could also help us. I want you to turn to Psalm 147, verse 10 to 11, real quick. I stumbled over this psalm uh, recently in my Bible study, and it was just really encouraging to me, so I wanted to share a couple of thoughts on that as well. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, and those who hope in his steadfast love. I thought it was just interesting how these verses clear or clarify a misconception that we sometimes have of what it means to fear God. Yes, fearing God means I know who he is and I know how powerful he is and I have respect for that. Because humans can only kill my body, but God determines where I will be eternally. So it is a good thing to be on his side, to have accepted Christ as my savior. But and also at the same time, fear of God apparently is a willingness to hope in his steadfast love. The love that never ends. God's love for us is not conditional. He loves you just as much now as he did when you weren't a Christian yet. And therefore God wants as many people as possible to turn to him and to submit their lives to him through Christ. And we can be a part of that beautiful work. I'm going to probably memorize those verses, so if you want to do that as well, that's probably a good thing to do. What are some applications that we can take away from tonight? Pray for strength when you feel weak. Ask your fellow believers for help. Don't do things alone. As believers, God wants us to re receive strength also from our fellow believers, from fellowship, from being there for each other, praying for each other, encouraging each other, going through tough times. And all of us are going through tough times at some point in our lives. We all have different seasons. Maybe it's also good to ask ourselves some tough questions. Maybe some of the ones I share tonight or other questions. You, know, you can sit down with your spouse or your friend and talk about them. And what it comes down to, I think, is do we really believe the Christian needs things that we like to say? Do they have real consequences for our lives or is it just something that we like to say loosely and it sounds good? Kind of like the Sunday school answers that we give or even deeper. But if they don't truly affect our lives, then it's 
probably a little worthless. And if we think about those things and allow those to challenge us, that is something that God can use to bring us closer to Him, into a deeper enjoyment of Him, into inner peace that we can only experience when we are close to God. We can also talk to others on how they build their relationship with God. What is their basis for the strong foundation that they might have? You might think of some believers that you experience as particularly strong in your eyes, or just some of your friends that are you know, walking the walk with you here at church. And maybe you've even been encouraged to go to this Experiencing God study. I highly recommend it, again. Or you can also journal about your experiences with God to remember what good He has done in the past, what He's currently doing, and then at the end of the year you will see what He did in that particular week for you and how He worked in your life. I think it's also very beneficial to memorize verses that are meaningful to you personally. Build on that foundation that God has given you. Maybe that's Psalm 147 and verses 10 and 11, or some verses in Psalm 46 that spoke to you tonight. Think something very practical that we can do whenever we listen to any sermon or any teaching is, I feel convicted by this concept, or I like the idea. What is the verse behind it? Because if we memorize the verse behind the concept that we like, we connect it with God's Word, and it's something that can go into our heart, and we remember it and we can bring it to the forefront of our mind when it's needed. And the Holy Spirit can use it. Before I end, I wanted to read the last two stanzas of Luther's song, because I thought they put Psalm 46 in a good perspective, even in light of the things that I share tonight. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours, through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Let's pray. God, thank you that we can truly experience you as a foundation in our life, that we do not need to fear because you are on our side. God, I pray that if there's anything that I share tonight that was not according to your will, that people would forget it quickly. But if there are things that were based on the truth of your word, that they would follow us and we would remember them and think about them so that you can work in our hearts. God, I pray that we would be ministered to you and that we would experience a peace in times that can be troublesome and that can make us afraid. Thank you that you're always with us. In Jesus' name, amen.